everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. And you'll notice I didn't say good morning, because as Philadelphia Eagles fans, it has not been a good week. I'm your host, as always, El Jarrell, and joining me is Connor. Connor, last week was not fun. Well, after the two-minute warning of the first half, it wasn't fun for us Philadelphia Eagles fans. How you been? I've been good, but yeah, no, that, that game was tough to watch, and my girlfriend sat on the other side of the couch and and felt for me with every interception and failed fourth down and incomplete pass in I, the fourth quarter. So I ended up, uh, I went to uh, to Shane's and me and Shane, I moved out. So I went to Shane's for week one and um, it started out great. And then it went downhill, as everybody knows. Um, so we're going to start with a quick recap of that game. And we're going to kind of go with the good, the bad, and the ugly. So the good was a 17 nothing lead. And the offense just looked, you know, like they didn't have, they hadn't missed a beat, like they've been playing together for years. Jalen Rager with a 55-yard reception on third and 22, I think it was, uh, beating Ronald Darby. Dallas Goddard with his with a, having a big game, eight catches, 101 yards, and that absolute beautiful throw, but even better adjustment by Goddard on on that touchdown catch. You know, it looked like the Eagles were going to win that game by 50 points. And then yeah, yeah. the interception happened right before the two-minute warning, and it went straight downhill from there. But first, before we get to that, to the bad, let's talk about the good. You know, besides not being able to run the football and the offensive line giving up four sacks when they were up 17 nothing, the offense looked like they couldn't be stopped. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, the, the, the offense definitely looked good. And Carson Wentz looked like, you know, like he was a new man. He was getting that ball out quick. He was moving out of the pocket. He he was making the plays happen. But then he fell into some really, before we get to the bad, he fell into his old habits in the second half of holding the ball too long and and just not making smart decisions. We We lost the decision maker that we had in the first half who was making all these really good decisions. And so, I mean, there's a lot to take from the first quarter. I think the first quarter mainly, there's a lot that you can take from that first quarter as positives that Doug Peterson has to take and carry on into the next game. Yeah, I agree. And look, we, we talked about that Washington defensive front. Five first-rounders, uh, Chase Young, um, Ryan Kerrigan, the Wiley veteran. And then if you look at the Eagles offensive line, Lane Johnson tried to go. He wasn't able to go. Um, no Miles Sanders definitely didn't help because the backs – were awful at pass protection. But Boston Scott, look, I know you love Boston Scott, but there's a reason why the Eagles are bringing in Devontae Freeman this week. It's because Boston Scott is not really a number two running back. He's a situational guy. They need somebody that when when Miles Sanders can't play, which hopefully he's good from here on out. He said he he would have been able to play last week, but the Eagles are being smart. You rather him for 15 health, you rather him be healthy for 15 games than have him play one game, have him hurt his hamstring even more and be out for a month. But, you know, when he's not able to play, you need somebody who's been there before, who's been a number one running back. And while Boston Scott had his moments last year, he's really not that guy. Yeah, he can, he can come in there and provide a spark every once in a while, but he's not a starting running back. Uh, Corey Clement is not a starting running back. Maybe, I mean, we don't know. They have a couple guys on, on the practice squad, but again, they're on the practice squad for a reason. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It's not, and I would have done it already. I would have brought Devontae Freeman in towards the last week of, uh, of camp to at least be able to see what he has. Maybe he doesn't have anything, but you at least would know by now. And if he did have something, knowing the that 
Miles Sanders was having troubles with his hamstring, maybe you could have signed him. And you might have been better off with him last week. While the offensive line wasn't great, they weren't opening up holes because of the defensive front, the defensive front seven, excuse me, for Washington. He might have been better at least pass protecting because Boston Scott missed two or three where Carson Wentz just got killed. And mm-hmm. when you take eight sacks, which is a career high for Carson Wentz, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you, and a lot of people want to put the blame on Wentz and I get it because he was not great, but it wasn't all on Wentz. Wentz does deserve blame and I'm not steering him clear, but while he wasn't great, the offensive line didn't help. Doug Peterson by far definitely did not help. And I'm going no, to I'm gonna get into that in a little bit, but you know, you need to put the best pieces around him. And Boston Scott, again, he had he had flashes last year. He's not the guy. And I, you may disagree with me because I know you're a big Boston Scott fan. But they need somebody when Miles Sanders can't play that can be that you can have out there on the field that your quarterback can trust to pick up blitzes. No, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I don't disagree on the Boston Scott point. I love Boston Scott, but to reach and say that he's a starter. He his best games were against like the New York Giants, mm-hmm. the lowly New York Giants last year. He blew up mm-hmm. in that game. And I think the people have to realize he's a complimentary back. I would take him over Corey Clement. I would take a Miles Sanders, Devontae Freeman, Boston Scott backfield before if you were only going to stick with three guys. And Freeman does seem to stick and they do want to sign him. Um, but yeah, he is definitely a complimentary back. And it, in all honesty, I would have been scared for Miles Sanders last week. I think that, like you said, they were smart to keep Miles Sanders from the game because I think they saw the writing on the wall with Sanders in there. It would have probably not been as bad, but it probably would have been similar. I don't picture a game where you weren't seeing four or five, six sacks of Carson Wentz. And I wasn't picturing a game where you're going to where you were going to be able to get much of a running game going. And I think we ended up with like maybe 60 yards rushing on the ground. I know it was 39 for Boston Scott. Um, but yeah, the missed assignments was a big thing too. Boston Scott needs to work on that. But like you said, and we're going to get into it, Doug Peterson had to stop using his two tight ends as two receiving tight ends. The game was getting bad. The pressure was getting bad. He needed to use his head and use one of those tight ends. If you're going to run with two tight ends on almost every single play, you need to use one as long as you can as a block and tight end because those four were just feasting on our offensive line and Doug Peterson was just watching it happen over and over and over again. Yeah. And while you, you're talking about the two tight ends, I'm talking about moving Carson Wentz. Why are you continually doing five and seven step drops to throw the ball 50 yards downfield when your offensive line can't protect move the pocket? Carson Wentz is the best, one of the best him and Patrick Mahomes and probably Lamar Jackson. You know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL when on the move. He he can throw the ball pretty much anywhere. But you, when your offensive line can't block and you keep continually calling these five and seven step drops, it's not going to help him. It's not going to help the offense. And that's why the offense sputtered. You know, Washington made adjustments. And the one thing we've always talked about is, is, is Doug Peterson, you know, he'll, 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 he'll make adjustments at halftime. He made zero adjustments. In that game, he kept calling the same vanilla plays. I don't know if he was trying to save something for the LA game this week because maybe they went in over overconfident against Washington and they were thinking, "Look, it's the it's the Washington football team. We're better than them. You know, we all we got to do is show up." And then when they went up seventeen nothing, it was like, "All right, they're gonna they're gonna roll over. 
this game's over. Let's start prepping for the Rams. Let, let's make sure. No, it doesn't work that way. It's the NFL. You have to play a full 60-minute game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And while the defense gave up 27, when you're put in short fields like the defense was on multiple occasions, you know, the Eagles defense only gave up, I think, 277 yards of total offense. You know, the Redskins ran the ball 30 times and only had, I think, 80-something, 60, 60 to 80-something yards. I'm not 100% sure. I don't have that written down. But, you know, the defense played exactly the way that we wanted them to play. Darius Slay covered Terry McLaurin about 50 times. He gave up two catches for, like, 20-something yards. He didn't give up anything to, to, to Terry McLaurin. So when your defense is holding that offense, and granted, it's not a great because Dwayne Haskins is not that good. They don't really have a running game. Their offensive line is so-so, even though the Eagles only had two sacks. Um, they have Terry McLaurin, and that's pretty much it. You have to help them offensively. You can't keep turning the ball over and, and giving the, the red the um, I, I did it right there. Giving the football team, you know, short fields because any offense in the NFL doesn't matter how bad you are, they're going to put points on the board eventually. And if you give a team that you're supposed to blow out, that you're supposed to be confident, and you allow them to stay in the game going into the fourth quarter, that's where you lose games you shouldn't lose. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you you speak about the defense, and I think we actually have ranked the number one defense from a yards allowed perspective. We only gave up what two hundred thirty nine yards, and so we're number one in the NFL right now in that category, which is amazing to think when you think about how how blown the lead was, and that also probably speaks to how little field that that offense mm-hmm. had to play with over and over again. They we can be the number one offense or number one defense from that perspective, yet lose by giving up 27 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you, we're talking about the good. So that front four, I believe, uh, for us, is as advertised, and that was without Javon Hargrave. Mm-hmm. Malik, Jackson, Malik Jackson looked good, and Very he good. is probably not even the starter for that at that defensive tackle spot. That's that guy who's going to flex in for Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and maybe flex out to the end here and there. And Derek Barnett, as much as you hate him, he will be back. And those types of bodies are huge. But another positive, Josh Sweat. If we move on from Derek Barnett and his $10.5 million cap hit next year, I think we actually have a far better, far cheaper option in Josh Sweat. And I'm okay with moving on from Derek Barnett. It Because when you look at the salary cap situation we're in, if he doesn't start turning it up in these next 15 games and we do have to cut some some cap, that's $10.5 million you can probably easily cut because he's disappointed now for the last few years. But that defense is as advertised, and that defense is, is going to be good. If you think about the yardage we gave up and the points we gave up, they don't they they, they, they contradict yeah, yeah, yeah they contradict each other they're not right so this defense is as advertised I think and Jim Schwartz is doing a really good job and you can only play with 50 yards or less behind you so many times mm-hmm. and not give up points yeah and Speaking so of- that that's definitely and the Darius say point Nickel Roby Coleman it's gonna be fun this week especially where we really get to see a true test yeah it will. And I'm about to say something that you probably never would have heard me heard me say because I hate this person with a passion. Nate Gary actually played a good game. He wasn't out of position a lot. He may have had a, a couple of missed tackles here and there. But he wasn't that bad. Again, it's against Washington. 
We'll see how he is against against a real offensive team this week. And and I think that's another weapons. one that's big is the fact that you you had like Logan Thomas was the the, the linebacker was the tight end that you had yeah. to cover. You have two this week. top end tight ends. You and got Higby. Everett and Higby coming yep. in. So I think this is going to be a true test of what our linebackers are and if they're athletic and good in coverage and and if they did a good job at drafting and picking who to keep. I, I agree with you. Now let's get to the bad. That first. Carson Wentz interception when he was trying to hit Reg was it Reg or Hightower? I think high it was Reg. Tower. It was Hightower. It was Hightower and it was a tight window. Yeah, and it, who you, so Carson kind of threw it out on the inside. He probably should have threw it on the outside. But but did Hightower do enough coming back to that, or is, is that on Carson? He probably shouldn't have made the throw. Or I mean, obviously he shouldn't have made the throw. Hindsight being twenty twenty, but. Is where would you put the blame on that? Is it on the rook, rookie receiver because he didn't come back to the ball? He kind of sold his route short a little bit, or is that on Carson because the throw was inside? It should have been outside. Well, when you look at the replay in like fast, like no slow motion, Fabian Morrow came back on that really fast and really hard. See, the 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 thing with Morrow is he was already playing off of off mm-hmm. of Hightower enough that he could come back. Hightower was running his route, and he had to twist his body to come back. So I think this one's on Carson Wentz. It should never have been thrown in that direction. He he threw it he threw it to the backside, and then Fabian Morrow already had the leverage, whereas John Hightower did not have that leverage. And both interceptions fought by Carson Wentz should never have been thrown. The window mm-hmm. was too tight. So um, and I get, but you know what? That's a good thing that he's shown confidence in Hightower. He's shown confidence in Regger. He's shown confidence in these guys. But it's too soon to throw into those tight windows and try and show off and say, yeah, I trust these guys. These guys are going to make big things happen for me. I think it's a little too soon. It, two, three weeks down the road, Hightower might be making that play. My thing, so when you see that the the, the Washington corners are pretty much sitting on those routes, I know he's playing back, but he, where were the double moves? Like, I didn't see one double move. And we know that Carson, when, um, you know, when given the time, when given the protection, he can throw that deep ball. You know, and, and then my other thing is Deshaun Jackson played 37 snaps, I think it was. Why? Like, he, he's, he was healthy, apparently. So, like, what is going on? It's, so, it's just really, really frustrating when, um, like, it's week one. And the the offense when they start out so well, but then like it seems like they forget how to play football. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's it start like we talked last. I don't know how many times we said last year fast starts, fast starts, fast starts. We got the fast start, and then be, they became complacent. They laid back, and that's not what we want. You need to play a full sixty minute football game, and this team has been notorious. Even the year that we won the Super Bowl, this team's been notorious for the last four or five years of just not playing a full sixty minutes and either getting the fast start or getting the late comeback and coming up short. And they need to play an entire game. And if you can't play an entire game against the Washington football team, then this. This season could be a very long season. This season could be a very stressful season for all of us. And um, I just think Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson need to get out of those old habits 
And I know I know there's a rumor going around about executives and talking about Doug Peterson feeling stressed out and that, that his time may be up in Philadelphia, but I could not disagree anymore. I just think he really needs to change his game plan. He really needs to work with Carson Wentz on changing Carson Wentz, some of his decision-making. We can't have those fumbles. We can't have those interceptions. We can't take those sacks constantly 10 yards back because he pump fakes and then he turtles. We cannot have that all season. Mm-hmm. Now we just did the bad. Now let's go to the ugly. The offensive line is ugly. I know we didn't have mm-hmm. Lane Johnson. Um, even though I thought in the first quarter and a half, um, Jack Driscoll looked really good at right tackle. Nate Herbig, who's going to be our, the right guard again this week, looks looked pretty good at right guard. He was actually the highest graded offensive mm-hmm. lineman for the Eagles last week. Um, you know, but. They have to find a way to open up running ways, and I think getting Lane Johnson back this week is going to help. Getting Obviously, getting Miles Sanders back will help, too, with that. Um, but they have to open up lanes, and they have to protect Carson Wentz. Carson can't take eight sacks and double-digit hits a game every week. If he does, he's not going to survive the season. And, I, and, and that's not because he's injury-prone, because he's not an injury-prone quarterback. It's just if any quarterback is taking upwards to 100 hits for an entire season, their body's just going to get worn out. Yeah, hundred percent on that one. Like you, Carson Wentz gets this this label all too often about about the injury prone uh, issues that he he supposedly has. But I mean, let's watch any quarterback go out there and get hit uh-huh. as much as he did. I think at one point the stat line showed at one point he had like eleven dropbacks and he was hit on seven of them and sacked on three of them. So what, he had a clean pocket for one pass that he got to make? like, And this was, I think, the start of the second quarter when I saw that stat line come across. And I was like, man, this guy. And that was probably guy. the regular 55-yarder. Uh, yeah, because there was nobody in back. There was no pressure on him. He got that throw off. It looked good. and and But, yeah, that the offensive line is not good, but we knew that this was going to be an issue. We knew when Brandon Brooks went down, we were like, okay, this could this could this might be rough then we saw Andre Dillard go down and as much as some of us may dis not like Andre Dillard he was a starting left tackle he was supposed to be very important um so when he went down it's like oh crap we definitely don't have enough coverage here then the news of of Lane Johnson typical Philadelphia Eagles fashion <laughs> to hide this surgery and say he's good to go he's going to be fine and then Saturday of a the Sunday football game tells us he had a surgery on in August and he's not 100% and won't be 100% for a while typical Eagles fashion right there um and then we were out Lane Johnson so then you're sitting there and you're like holy crap we have two guys making their NFL debuts and then we actually had a third mid-game because Jack Driscoll went down uh-huh. so Jordan Mailata stepped in um we knew this was going to be an issue. We just didn't think the issue was going to be that bad. And we thought we thought we had a healthy Lane Johnson. Nobody assumed that Lane Johnson had a surgery. We knew that Lane Johnson had issues with, with his ankle and, you know, or, and that, you know, he, he, he gets beat up. I mean, he's our best offensive lineman, but he gets beat up. He takes the shots just as much as anybody else. But nobody thought he went off and got a surgery. Or any of that. So we assumed we had a hundred percent or at least a ninety percent healthy Lane Johnson ready to go, and he wasn't. So that just threw a complete wrench in the entire game, big time for us. I mean, would the front four have been able to be stopped with Lane Johnson? It would have become a little bit better because Lane Johnson's a big boy. He can handle a one-on-one assignment. Nobody else along that line except Jason Kelsey 
can handle a one-on-one assignment at this point, I don't think. And that's that's even talking about Jason Peters, too. So um, if he was there, it would have made it better. It would have been like four offensive linemen against three defensive linemen instead of five versus four with none that can do a one-on-one assignment. But, yeah, it was ugly, and I hope that Lane Johnson coming back, A, does not further injure him, and B, is actually a positive. Because if he is not playing at 100%, my issue is, is he going to be able to give us what we need that is better than Jack Driscoll or Jordan Mailata or whoever could be at that position to give him more time to heal? I think think a a, a Lane Johnson at 80% is better. And he he said that he's not going to be 100%, but the type of injury or the type of surgery and the injury that he has that as the season progresses, he's going to get better. Obviously if he gets rolled up on the ankle, things can change, but Lane Johnson is as tough as they come. And and the one thing that we were talking about last week, and this was after we recorded week one, you can't trust the Eagles when they say anything now, like they, they were mm-hmm. saying Lane Johnson and, and Miles Sanders, they're day to day. They're great. They're going to be, and then boom, they're not playing <laughs> like, as much as we, we want to believe Doug Peterson and as much as we want to, you know, have faith that he's not going to lie to us, that's all we're really hearing from him. And this has been not just this year. This has been over the last couple of years where, oh, they're week to week or they're day to day. If they're day to day, we're expecting them to play someday. Like last week, when we were expecting Wayne Johnson to at least be out there um, and they're not out there. So it's just really, really frustrating. Because our expectations going into a game, we're, we're expecting to have this person, we're expecting to have that person, and then when you don't see them, it's like, okay, why? It's just, and, and I know it feels like I'm rambling, but it's just really frustrating when we're expecting to have certain guys out there, and they're just not there after the entire week where your coach, your team, your coaching staff are like, yeah. They're fine. We're just giving them a rest. It's just really frustrating. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I mean, it's just like it's becoming typical Eagles fashion, and I'm starting to think that it's not the fact that we're rolling over our 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 medical Trent, staff yeah. year over year. I think that it has a whole lot to do with this is a mentality that Doug Peterson and the coaching staff have as most likely. My belief is that it's they are trying to make it harder for another team to game plan. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you go in with none of those guys, it doesn't matter what they game plan for. It means they probably game plan better because mm-hmm. they get these these weaker options, these mm-hmm. lesser alternatives like Boston Scott and and uh, Jack Driscoll and stuff. So mm-hmm. you're not hiding anything. No matter how a team's going to prepare, they're always going to prepare to bring their best. So if, if that's a mentality that Doug Peterson's coaching staff have, just be open be honest and come prepared because they weren't prepared for Miles Sanders in this week one. You can tell, or Devontae Freeman probably would have been there. We knew about the Miles Sanders injury weeks before. Miles Sanders participated in what, the first week or half a week of training uh-huh. camp, and then we didn't see him again. So it was not a surprise to know that there was a further injury and a further issue with Miles Sanders. And you could have had Devontae Freeman in there for a couple weeks, getting used to the team getting used to the players around him, getting used to the the scheme, getting used to the playbook, and you could have had a very viable RB1 for week one and an extremely viable RB2 when Miles Sanders came back healthy. Uh-huh. I agree 100%. And then the other ugly, which which you kind of referred to 
before is Doug Peterson's play calling was just really, really bad. Very inconsistent. They they went away with what worked. They didn't move Carson Wentz. And it's just, I don't understand. Like, we see, we're, we don't have the, like, he is a football mind, so he should see this stuff. But, like, sitting back, it's like, you can see that the offensive line is not performing well, and you can see that these, these five- and seven-step drops aren't being successful, but you continually call them over and over and over again. You don't help out any – you don't help out the right side of the line. And, you, you know, when and, – and Washington takes advantage of that, noticing that the Eagles are just going to keep the five up front, put five out or four or five out in, in on passing routes and let Carson Wentz try to figure it out. So hopefully this week he's smarter because this week you're going up against the best defensive player in football. And you're going up against a defense that flies around that has a legit number one corner. Um, so they have to find a way to get the ball to their plethora of weapons, but they have to do it without getting your quarterback killed. Definitely. And I want to point out one more ugly, yeah. and and this may just be uh, uh, may just be from the drop, but Zach Ertz, did oh, not look yeah. good. Zach Ertz did not look like a tight end one looking to take advantage of a hot market. Dallas Goddard looked like the guy saying, you can let Ertz go. I'm ready to take this team over. So Zach Ertz I'm really intrigued. needs to step up this week. I'm glad you brought that up because I am going to be intrigued by that all season. Like I thought that Car- Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz are, are really close. And I thought Carson would feed the ball to Zach Ertz and be like, look, I need him. I need him. But Goddard at eight catches 101 yards, and he was the better of the two tight ends last week. Now, will he continue to be the better? Obviously, we don't know. But like, I'm very intrigued with how that how that's going to play out. Who's going to get more snaps? Who's going to get be a focal point in the offense? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. if if you know Jalen Ramsey, like the Eagles receivers, while they're fast, they don't have a legit number one. Like maybe Jalen Ramsey will be on Zach Ertz, and you have to get the ball to Dallas Goddard this week. So it's obviously going to be interesting, but I, I am glad you brought that up because I'm very intrigued at how this is going to play out between the two. And we mentioned, we've, we've talked about this. If we get towards the trade deadline and the Eagles are just not playing well and they're, I don't, when is the trade deadline? Is it week 10? Something like that. Um, Some, if, somewhere in there, yeah. If the Eagles are 2-7, and 3-6, and six, and, and they're just out of it, do they trade Zach Ertz? Like, so this is really going to be a key thing to watch going forward and how this team performs. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's important to, to note what you said there about the trade deadline. I think no matter the way that this all plays out, the Eagles are going to be sellers at the trade deadline, 100%. And if anyone wants to say they're going to be buyers, it means that we win every single game up until that trade deadline and that we know we're winning a Super Bowl this season. because, Or we have very high hopes of winning that Super Bowl this season. Because with the cap situation, we cannot bring in... I see a lot of people saying, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson. We, With what money are we going yeah. to extend him next season? And a lot of people are like, well, you want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but we need that draft capital. It's all about that. At the end of the day, with the salary cap situation we're in for the next two years, it's all about that draft capital. If you can move Ertz for a second rounder or a couple, a second and a third, or you know, get some good draft picks, get some good draft capital that Howie may or may not use properly, then that is what we need to get us out of the cap hell and to get this retooling that Howie continues to talk about into full gear. So. No, we're not going to make any big moves. 
and let's come week 10 trade deadline we're nine and one or eight and one or something and we're looking like major super bowl favorites that would be the only way i see us becoming buyers and once we enter into being buyers we are in a extremely difficult situation next season. So I'm interested to follow that Zach Ertz situation is just as much as you are because there are a lot of tight end needy teams or mm-hmm. teams that just love a good quality top five NFL tight end like Zach Ertz is and remains despite what some people are saying. Yeah, I agree with you. Now let's move to this week's matchup against the – actually, first, the play of the game, I think I'm going to go with play of week one. That intercept, the first interception that Fabian Moreau had, because that turned, that changed Carson Wentz, that changed the Eagles' offense. Like the Eagles couldn't move the ball, the Eagles couldn't do anything after that interception. Yeah, I'm going to go with a more positive look. I'm going with that Jalen Rager catch because it shows that kid's got speed. Carson Wentz will be able to use him in a number of different ways, and he's going to be a legit wide receiver for us. And I think that maybe not necessarily this year as your wide receiver one, but he's a legit weapon at all times on that field, and he can blow the top off that a defense if he gets the right matchup. And the way he adjusted to make that catch too, he he's good. He's mm-hmm. good, and we only saw tip of the iceberg when he was at TCU, I think. Oh, yeah, well, the quarterbacks he played with at TCU were terrible. Um, also, did it look to, to you like it did, like he looked kind of big out there? He looked bigger than C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, like while C- I think C.D. Lamb's going to be really good, he looked like you can push him and he's going to fall. I don't, I don't know if Jalen Rager is going to be that – I don't want to use the word weak, but I, I just think that he's going to be more tough when – but having the ball in his hands, what do you think? I agree, and I mean, to watching some some highlights at TCU, he's 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 not just like a speedster. He's a tough guy. He he can he's gonna make plays. Having he, I think, like you look at a Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is that speedster. He's gonna be a speedster. Mm-hmm. But if you get into a contested catch situation, or you need an extra two yards, and he's got to reach out, I don't think a Henry Ruggs gives you that. But Jalen Reger is no pushover. Jalen Reger was tops uh, at tops in college one of the tops in college football in contested catch situations he's got that potentially sub 4-4 speed and so if you put those two together this guy this guy's no pushover this guy's no slouch and he's gonna do some big things for us and and i i just can't wait to see what more other situations that how uh dougie uses him in in the coming weeks because um he they they praised Jalen Reger over and over again, and we saw him basically as a downfield threat this past week. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because Deshaun Jackson, like you said, they they want to ease Deshaun Jackson back in. Maybe when Deshaun Jackson's back in at 100%, Jalen Reger gets used out of the slot, gets used as a running back, gets used in all these other different types of scenarios that we thought we, he'd be used in. Yeah, especially since J.J. Arthur, white side, still looks lost out there. and Barely played. Barely even played. But when he was out there, like, he, Carson has zero confidence in JJ. And I'm really, like, I've had enough. And I know that you are you're you were high on him last year and think, thought that he didn't get enough opportunities. But he just doesn't look fast enough. Doesn't look, and, and he's not really a speed receiver, but doesn't just doesn't look like he can do anything out in the field. He doesn't look like he knows the playbook. So it's very frustrating. So let's Yeah, move. I think, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, this is not the same wide receiving group it was last season despite two of them being the same he had to come out he had to show out 
And he had to say, here, what, Carson, uh, trust me, throw the ball to me. And I don't think he did enough of that compared to guys like Jalen Reger, clearly John Hightower, because Hightower, I think, got five targets this past week. Um, the, the trust is there with two or three people before him. So he's always going to be, he's never going to get the opportunity I think that he should get. And But nor do I think he has necessarily deserved it. Yeah, it's it's on him too because last year was his opportunity with all the injuries. With and once Alshon's back, yeah, once he's, Alshon's back, he's done. He's buried. He's wide receiver five or six. He's not even and a special might, team. Yeah, he might not even make the act like game day roster. That's because like, he doesn't work on special teams. He doesn't. So you're right. It, he uh, he missed his opportunity last year to gain that trust in Carson Wentz. All right, so let's move to to this week's week two matchup against the LA Rams Eagles. And Doug Peterson have owned Sean McVay and the Rams. Granted, it's only been two games, but they were two. You know, it was the big game where Carson tore his ACL in, in um, L.A. back in 2017. And then the year later, um, Nick Foles took the Eagles to L.A. again, and they beat the Rams. Doug Peterson has Sean McVay's number. And I think coming into Philly, if things were, this, if, if things were normal, where there could be fans in the stands, and you have the legit, the true Lincoln Financial Field Philadelphia atmosphere. There's zero chance that Jared Goff beats the Eagles in Philly. But we're in life of COVID now. Um, so the stadium's going to be empty. It's going to be really different. Um, and it's going to be weird watching Lincoln Financial Field not have any fans and, and that raucous atmosphere that we're used to week in and week out. But, you know, I think the big matchup is going to be Aaron Thomas. We saw what Aaron, you saw what Aaron Donald did against that Dallas offensive line. He was throwing people around left and right. And yeah, he, he's Darren, a beast. He's yeah, a beast. Aaron Donald has to be licking his chops watching what the Eagles offensive line looked like last week. What are your thoughts on this upcoming game? Yeah, that's one of my key matchups there is how is this offensive line going to be able to handle? You clearly have to put two men on him and even two men like you saw him push by one guy and then there was that one play pushed by one guy. The next guy in line, he basically picked up and threw aside. Mm -hmm. So even a double team, you need to be double team right off the bat, not one guy and then have a second guy back prepared. You need to double team right away and keep him in front of you because the minute he gets behind you, that man is that man's better than anyone on that Washington line. Mm-hmm. Well, he is one he is the best defensive tackle in football and he's I the love best Fletcher Cox. In football. Exactly. So like he he's gonna give he's gonna wreak havoc. I know he will and it's just going to be important for, I think Kelsey is going to have to really be the anchor as the one guy who's always there, and he needs the support of Samalu or Herbig to really step up and help in that situation yeah. inside. And Eagles, yeah, and the Eagles have done really good over the last the last two times that they played of, of not allowing Aaron Donald to have an impact on the game. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so it'll be interesting to see how, how the, the Eagles offensive line is, is going to play this week. Uh, you know, and I think another matchup to watch is going to be Darius Slay probably against Robert Woods, who just got a contract extension, which I want to talk about because I feel like they have an unlimited, unlimited salary cap. It's frustrating. Um, but you're going to have you're going to have um, Darius Slay up against Robert Woods, uh, Mikel Kobe uh, Roman or Roby Coleman. Excuse me. There you go. Yeah. Against, yeah, yeah. against Cooper Cup. Um, this is their other receiver because Brandon Cooks isn't there. I mean, you have their Josh two tight ends. Yeah, jo- you have Josh Reynolds, so that'll be um, 
where Avante Maddox, who Avante Maddox will be covering. Then you have Tyler Higby and, and Gerald Everett, two tight ends. Now they're not as good as the Eagles duo of tight ends, but they're still, you know, really good. Their offensive line, the, the Eagles can take advantage of the offensive line. And then in the running game, you know, it's not Todd Gurley anymore. It's um, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. It's Cam Akers. It's Daryl Henderson. Like they have a couple young guys that that kind of work together well. So it's going to be interesting um, for this Eagles defense. It's not Washington. You know, we talked about how the Eagles, from a yards per yards per game perspective, are the number one de- defense in the NFL. This is going to be totally different. Now, Jared Goff. I still don't have faith in Jared Goff as as, a, as an NFL quarterback. But yes, he got his team to the Super Bowl two years ago. And they won last week against uh, against the Cowboys. So he's been able to win games. Again, if this was a normal year and the link was going to be filled with all the fan, the Philadelphia fans, 70,000 plus, I, have, I think they have no shot. But I don't know. It, Sean McVay is, is going to have something up his sleeves, I believe, this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. You, you alluded to the tight ends. Our linebackers looked pretty good mm-hmm. last week. Um, so I'm really interested to see that matchup. We have a bunch of athletic linebackers, and literally that is about all they are is athletic. Mm-hmm. They will run sideline to sideline, and they will, for the most part, make a tackle for you. So it'll be interesting to see what they do when they have to cover guys like Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, who are no pushovers at the tight end position. They're no Ertz and Goddard, but they're definitely on that second tier. They, you all, you have to have a person on each of them. You can't just leave one of them to run around the field. Mm-hmm. Um and then you, you talked about the, the the cornerback room for us is, should be an interesting one to see. I mean, we saw what Terry McLaurin – I definitely think Robert Woods is better than Terry McLaurin, so uh-huh. I think this really makes Darius Slay – it puts him in a def, definite different situation. It's a whole different scenario for him this week. And Nickel Roby Coleman, that's going to be a cool matchup to watch because they used to be practice buddies because uh-huh. he's a slot receiver, he's a nickel cornerback. And, that's, that's, yep. and that's how it was last year. So I'll be interested to watch that matchup. I think we have the people, the personnel to match up. It's about how those personnel work when matched up and when in a game situation with them. Um, and then there's always, then of course, is Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be interesting. In yeah, that's going to be very, very interesting because who's our true wide receiver one? Who's he going to be covering each time? If Deshaun Maybe Jackson's out there. Zach Ertz. Yeah, it, 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 it's tough to say, though. Like, when, on the outside, what who's he going to cover? Is it going to be Jalen Rager? It's going to be Deshaun Jackson. So this is where I think usually he follows the number one receiver. This is the type of game he can just, if he wants to stay on one side, he'll stay on one side. Like, he doesn't yeah. have an amount. Like, last week, he... He shadowed Amari Cooper for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. Like yep. this week, if he if, if they just want to him on one side, their other corner on the other side, and whoever lines up across from you is who you, who you um line up across from. I think that's and you got to remember this isn't Wade Phillips' defense. They got a new defensive coordinator, um. So it, it will be. I'm pretty sure they play a four three now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but like, and it's not just Aaron Donald up front too. They got Michael Brockers. They have some pieces. But you're right. That, Jalen Ramsey got paid. He's he's making $20 million a year, $21 million a year now. Um, like that, yeah. He, and he wants to go out there and prove um, that he is worth the money, that he is, worth, he is the number one corner of football. So if, if he's got to lock up Deshaun, he's got to lock up Deshaun. You know, this is a, this is a week where, where 
Carson's gonna have to spread the ball around. Yeah, oh, definitely. He 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 can't just look in one direction because I, he's basically Jalen Ramsey will have one side of the field essentially on lock. So if it's Rager over there, good luck getting it in there. If it's Deshaun Jackson over there, good luck getting it in there. If it's high tower, like you don't want to throw into those tight windows against Jalen Ramsey. That's oh. for sure. But this is gonna be this is actually gonna be. I actually think this is a very fair matchup, especially with some of our players back and without the injuries. And I mean. We definitely win it in a few matchups, but they got it in a couple matchups too. So I think it really depends on who who steps up, who shines. And if our defensive line can look like they did last week, but better with Javon Hargraven, then that could make that could make or break this game. Having Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, and Fletcher Cox in that backfield and in uh, Jared Goff's face. We know Jared Goff is not a great decision maker when that pocket collapses and when there's pressure. If he's got a clean pocket, he'll throw a ball all day and he'll probably connect with somebody mm-hmm. if we if he's given enough time. But as we saw with Haskins last week, at the, that for the first two quarters, the pressure was relentless by that our front four. And we were looking good, whether it was Sweat back there, Jackson back there, Cox back there. Or, or Graham back there, there was always somebody back there. And now with Javon Hargrave in there, it becomes even better because Javon Hargrave is he he's he's a he's a big boy. He's a bull. Him yes. and Fletcher Cox are bulls and they are just gonna rush and push those guys back until Jared Goff is there. Yep, and and right in their face. Matt Malik Jackson who's healthy and he has he's out to prove uh that last last year like his injury was a fluke and he, he's the Eagles made the right choice uh signing him. So yeah. I mean, it's just gonna. There's there's a lot of intriguing matchups. Um, this is the a game that you know it could be a potential if, if depending on how things like how things work out. And this is a potential playoff type of matchup um, between these two teams. Uh, I'm not saying that the the, the Eagles are going to win the division or the Rams are going to the Rams are in the toughest division in football. I think so. Um, it, it'll be tough for them. But I, I'm very intrigued uh, by this this matchup. And again, we've talked about the different players to watch. Obviously, Aaron Donald. Obviously, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Give me an underrated player on the Rams who doesn't get much talk. You don't really talk about that much. Who has a chance to make an impact? Who the Eagles need to worry about? Oh, I know. I kind of threw that at you. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna go with Josh Reynolds. Because okay. I don't think he gets talked about all that often, and I don't think we necessarily, I don't necessarily think we're going to account for that. Like a Josh Reynolds or a Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson made a yeah. beauty of an over-the-shoulder catch last week. So I mean, I I think that we teams all too often focus on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but Josh Reynolds is he's a good contested catch guy. He's a good outside receiver. He may not necessarily have the speed. But if there's a jump ball going up in the air, I would believe that a Josh Reynolds will probably beat Avante Maddox out based solely on the size and what he's able to do. So if they if the if Nickel Roby Coleman and Darius Slade do their job and Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson become that option, those are two guys that I would definitely be watching for. Yeah, and I'm going to go with their running backs. Only because like ever since like, Todd Garley's not there, so my first question was, are who were the Rams running backs again? So, you know, Cam Akers, we know that the Eagles notoriously have a, a pretty good running defense. So, it'll be f- interesting and, and it'll be fun to watch. You know, do does Sean McVay continue to pound the ball even if they're not getting yards? Like, you know, 
pound it, get a yard, pound it, get two yards, pound it, get a yard, and then does something open up after that? Do they not give up on the run? Um, and this is where, again, you mentioned it, Javon Hargrave, Hargrave he's back. You're going to have Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, and, and Jackson in that middle. Cox won't have to play, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the snaps. Now you have legit depth at the defensive tackle position. So hopefully, you know, everybody stays healthy. <laughs> and this is a key word because, and hopefully being the key word because we all know what happens when the Eagles uh, seem to take the field. Injuries happen. Now, before and we, we even off, saw we even saw last game, like you had Brandon Graham go into the concussion yeah, protocol. I yeah. called it the minute he took his helmet off, oh, the yeah. look in his eyes, I was like, he's done. Yeah. And then you saw the injury to Jack Driscoll. Nate Herbig even went off for a little bit. And and uh, Vinny Curry. And, like, they happen in game just as much as they happen outside of the game and before we even get to the game, the injuries. But I think somebody – I saw something on Twitter that said we had the most – Week one injuries and IR people. I think it was 13, and right behind us was San Francisco had 10, and we have the most, but we have the most starters on IR by a landslide. So, and people always sit there, they they laugh at me. They're like, oh, you're just making excuses. Let's just start picking teams and pick off those exact positional yeah. players. Go go into a go into a. Uh, and Shoot. L.A. Rams right. and take away their Andrew Whitworth. Let's take away their right guard, Austin Corbett. Let's take away their right tackle. Let's take let's, away. Let's, let's take away Malcolm Graham or Cam Akers. When, Flip a coin. Yeah, when you, let's talk about Dallas for a second. You take away Zeke Elliott. Dak Prescott is a mediocre quarterback. Granted, he's mediocre with him, but like he's worse than a mediocre quarterback. So Carson didn't have. Excuse me, Carson didn't have his number one running back last week in Miles Sanders. So, you know, let's see what the full complement of offense looks like first before we, I guess, before we start judging. And we have to take that in as fans too, because I get frustrated watching and seeing that just time after time injuries. And then Doug Peterson, not calling, not calling a, a, a player or calling vanilla plays and, and the Washington defense is just ready for it. It's, it's frustrating. But before, we get to our prediction. The Rams signed, signed Jarek off, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey to the richest contract. Robert Woods got a $68 million contract. Cooper Cup just got a contract. Do they have a salary cap? Because as an Eagles fan, we know what the Eagles situation looks like next year being $50, $60 million over the cap. And we're already talking about possibly trading people and, and, and not bringing people back because of it. The Ram, Now the Rams are over the cap next year, but not as bad. But like, how are they able to do this? Keep their nucleus together. It's just frustrating. Like, how are they able to do it and we're not? Yeah, I think I think it's quite amazing when you look at what the LA Rams do and Les Snead is is I give a lot of uh, I give a lot of respect to Les Snead because he is he's although I love Howie and I think that Howie's probably one of is probably the best executive. Les Snead's very close mm-hmm. by because look at what he's able to do. He just got himself at a cap hell. Granted, he took on $37 million in dead money with Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, and Clay Matthews. Um, but he does a good job of just – he doesn't kick the can down the road. He takes that hit. Brandon Cooks, that's a $22 million cap hit. Boom, right away, but it's off after this season. Done and gone. That that uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, deal doesn't kick in for uh, yet for a year. Next year, it kicks in. 
Um, the only dead money he has next year is Tall Gurley for 8.4 million. Whereas Howie Roseman likes to keep th- that every little bit of money. He won't cut Alshon Jeffrey. If he cuts him, it'll probably be this year because there was no dead cap. He does not like to take dead money. He does not like to carry on dead money. Less need is the type who will take the dead money and he'll cut his losses or he has to cut him. Um, but it seems like all too often, like you said, we don't witness these losses. There was this time last year we were talking on shows, and, or not this time last year, but when the deal was made for Jalen Ramsey, well, I said, oh, there's no way they can afford that. But then they cleared the space with Todd Gurley. They cleared the space with Brandon Cooks, and they opened up so much of this cap space. And they may be $14 million over right now, but they carry, their current carryover is $7 million. So assuming no injuries and stuff, they're technically – not barely going to be seven million over. You're only a couple cuts away from being at what the cap spot that you need to be, and they have 45 of their top 51 locked in for 2021. So you basically you can go into the draft knowing you have that nucleus there and constantly have that nucleus. But I also do think for them it has a lot to do with the way they draft. It's how you draft and take an advantage because we know how he is not a very good drafter. And mm-hmm. so a lot of our draft capital just goes to the wayside, goes to waste. Look at a, a second, a third, and a fourth rounder all cut this offseason. And Sidney Jones and Sharif Miller um, and Rasul Douglas all cut. And those are not people you should be cutting. Those That first round, second round, third round, fourth round pick, those are the ones you need to get and you need yeah. to hit. And I think that Howie... And I've, I've said it before, and I, I've said it to a few other people. I think that Howie too often tries to find that diamond in the rough instead of just taking the best player available. Mm-hmm. He tries to say, this is what we scouted. This is what we liked. And he ends up, it ends up being 30 picks before the consensus puts him at. And then he ends up flopping. Yeah. And that's what happens. And I think that Howie just thinks too much into the draft process. I think if we went into the next two drafts and just took best player available as long as it made sense, and if not, you take that next best player available as long as it makes sense at a position of need, I think we will be a lot better off than Howie trying to dig in and get a Danelle Pumphrey and being like, look at me, I'm a genius, and then that not working out. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's just frustrating, like, knowing what our situation is like and – like, we're in the prime of Carson's career. And he's only going to get two years, three years of that with a legit team that has a shot to go to a Super Bowl because of the cap situation that we're in. And then Jared Goff, he's going to have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, um, Aaron Donald will be there, Jalen Ramsey. So, like, you can build around. If you, have a, if you have a stud defensive tackle, defensive lineman, and you have a legit number one corner, you can build around that. Um, if you have an offensive line, and if you have a, a receiver, like, you can build around that, and that's what the Rams have right now. We have a receiver, we have a quarterback, we have Darius Slay, granted he's in his 30s, and we have Fletcher Cox, who's owed a boatload of money, so who knows what's going to happen there, but, like, it just doesn't, it feels different than when you're looking at the Rams. It looks like the Rams are building right, and you're right, like, Howie has not done a good job drafting, has not done a good job of, of putting his team together and, and trying to build around the strengths of it. So they, they have to find a way to, to, to make it work. Yeah, definitely. I think the big thing is not kicking the can down the road anymore. I get that people are like, look at him. He's a genius. But you're seeing this genius hit a wall because there is eventually is a, a wall. Well, it dep- if he's able to somehow sneak at a tw- this 2021 cap situation and 
us be in a decent spot and us actually talking about potentially making the playoffs next year? Yes. If we if he has to completely retool and we lose some big names and everything completely changes and seems to blow up this offseason because he's got to clear out 60 million, then we're going to be, definitely be talking a whole different scenario at some point during the offseason. Yeah. All right. So before we get to the Eagles Rams prediction, and I'm throwing this at you and I kind of just thought about it. Over week one of games, which player stood out to you? It was like, oh, I didn't expect him to do that week one. So if you, and and if you can't think of somebody, that's fine. We'll 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 add this as a as a segment going forward of the previous week. Like what player kind of showed up and you were like, oh, I didn't expect him to do that. I mean, we're talking NFL in general. NFL does, yeah, it doesn't have to be the Eagles. It can be anybody in the NFL. I have, um, if you want to think. I'm I'm gonna go with Naheem Hines. I mean, I've okay. loved Naheem Hines, the running back out of Indianapolis, and I was always like, oh, he's gonna step in. They're not gonna resign Marlon Mack now. Marlon Mack's time in Indianapolis is clearly completely done. I don't see them even offering him any type of contract because they got a really good one-two punch in Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Um, so for me, it was probably Naheem Hines because I knew the potential was there. And then you bring a Philip Rivers in and Philip Rivers is basically making Naheem Hines, Austin Eckler 2.0, mm-hmm. like a poor man's Austin Eckler. And I mean, you knew the potential was there. You knew the hype was around Naheem Hines and what is he going to do with, with Philip Rivers there? And will he be this same guy when Philip Rivers goes away? And I think he's proven he can be very reliable whether it be running the ball or whether it be catching in the pass game. But I think you're going to see like a pretty solid, like Jonathan Taylor is clearly the lead back, but I think you'll definitely see like a, a Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler-esque backfield with like a 60-40, 50-50 split. Depends on the week, depends so. on the John- matchup. I have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy, so I'm just saying. Um, it's not bad it's not bad this is this is the type of thing this is the type of thing though you know like you can own either of them and i think you're going to be fine because i think they're both going to present really intriguing flex options Mm -hmm. week in and week out because we saw exactly what philip rivers does with two running backs and we know what frank reich is going to do with two running backs who can be used basically all over the field i agree and my player which we I, i i shouldn't be shocked but i am just because he's a rookie and it was week one Clyde Edwards Hilaire, man, he looked good for Andy Reid in that Chiefs offense. And there's a reason they picked him at 32, and he's he is their number one back. And he looked he looked like he belonged in the NFL. It, it doesn't matter his stature. You know, he showed it in college at LSU, which bothered me because I'm an Alabama fan. But um, you know, watching him in, in that week one Thursday night game, he over 130 yards uh, of total offense and whatnot, he looked good he looked like he belonged and i'm very intrigued with what andy reed his he's a genius offensively i don't care what anybody says i'm really intrigued to see what andy reed does with him and patrick mahomes and Ty, like they just have so many weapons um and you just add him on a rookie deal it's going to be tough to stop that chief's offense Oh, big time. I mean, you look at all the needs that they had, and I said, no, Clyde Edwards, the fit's there, the opportunity's there, but it just doesn't make sense. They have needs all over their defense and stuff, mm-hmm. but if they can you, got, people, Pat, you got Patty Mahomes. You got Patty <laughs> Mahomes, so it don't matter. You got the best quarterback. You got the $500 million man mm-hmm. in quarterback in your team. You got pro- arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I would say he's best. I would put take him over oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson. I would take I would him say. over anybody else. Um, so at the end of the day, you give Mahomes the weapons. This is a team... 
counter to the Dallas Cowboys. If you go punch a punch with the Dallas Cowboys, I don't trust that deep, that offense to be able to get that final point. Be consistent. Yep, yep. But with Patrick Mahomes, you need seven points in 30 seconds. I think he'll get you those seven points in 30 seconds. Easy. Easy, so especially with the weapons uh, that he has offensively. Big time. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was my running back one coming out of this draft class, despite the DeAndre Swift, the Jonathan Taylor and stuff. Yeah, he DeAndre was my Swift running back number one. a game-winning touchdown is not a good look for him. <laughs> not a good look, but lucky he has that job probably on lock because Karon Johnson won't stay healthy. Adrian Peterson is, what, like 50 years old now? Um, <laughs> so he's pretty much got that job on lock. But, I mean, he's a rookie. I mean, it's to be expected. People, Some people, even for the Eagles, are overreacting to John Hightower. And, and, but if you look at some of his the plays, Carson Wentz has must have a lot of faith in him because he was thrown in some tight, tight windows to John Hightower last week. But I still think John Hightower has the chance to come out of this draft class as a really good receiver and a very viable option to say, see you later to Sean Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey next year to free up about $20 million in cap space between those two. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. We'll definitely see. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, man. Uh, so this week, Philadelphia Eagles, Los Angeles Rams, Lincoln Financial Field, Home opener where nobody – they are blocking off. So the Phillies have the pandemic crew that's outside of Citizens Bank Park that looks through the gate and watches the game and make noise. Philadelphia is not allowing anybody near the sports complex on Sunday. They're blocking off streets. They're going to have cops everywhere. It's not going to be a normal, a normal home opener in Philadelphia for sure. They know if they don't do that, there's going to be, oh, be 25,000 people, 30,000 oh, yeah. people tailgating and screaming their hearts out and making all the noise in the world. It would still feel like a home game. Oh, it would. And it's such a shame just because Philadelphia Eagles games, I know you haven't had a chance to get here. Hopefully you do um, within the next couple of years uh, once everything gets back to normal. But like, there is nothing like an Eagles home game going down tailgating and being in that stadium. There's nothing like it. All right. Prediction? Uh, players to watch give me a little synopsis of why you're going where you're going I am going to go I think this is going to end up probably honestly being similar to the Cowboys mm -hmm. and the Rams this week not high scoring but has the potential to really blow up and be become high scoring if you, they go shot for shot because these two offenses can be very potent I think um, but I'm going with uh, 24 21 last minute field goal by Jake Elliott. Wow. Um, for me. Um, but I think that the player to watch, I think the player who's really going to emerge out of all this situation, I think will be whoever plays the slot in Philadelphia, whether it be Greg Ward or Jalen Reger. I think you're going to see a pretty nice game out of them because of Jalen Ramsey. And then you're going to have the linebackers watching Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and they're going to make it things a bit tougher. I think things are really going to open up for a guy like Greg Ward or Miles Sanders, whoever's really playing that slot. Wow. 24-21 Eagles. All right. Um, I think the player to watch for the Eagles are going to be Dallas Goddard because I think a lot of attention is going to be on Zach Ertz, even though Goddard had the better game last week. Um, and I just think Carson has so much trust in both of his tight ends. But if one is going to be locked up, he's going to go to the other. Um, Jalen Ramsey, he's going to lock down whoever's going on his side. So I, ho I hope Carson doesn't, like, not look that way because when you don't 
play the half of the field. Like, what type of offense are you going to be able to have? So hopefully he at least attempts. Now, I'm not saying go at Jalen Ramsey every play because that would be dumb. But if you have to throw, throw it that way just so that Ramsey doesn't feel like or so that Ramsey sees that you're respecting – that he needs to respect that side of the field and needs to respect that a play can come that way, do it. Um, just don't don't be careless with the football. Um, I I think the, another matchup is going to be Doug Peterson against Sean McVay uh, mm-hmm. because Doug, as I mentioned, kind of owns you know the boy wonder and he he seems to get his team up ready to play the Rams. But after what I saw last week, I know that Lane Johnson's back. I know that Miles Sanders is back, and maybe I'm trying to do a reverse thing. But I'm going to take the Rams to win 27-21. And it hurts to say that because you know I don't I don't like picking against the Eagles. But I don't know. It's it's just tough. I think the right now, right now, the Rams are a better better team. Now, if this game were four, five, six, seven weeks later, that could be a different story. The Eagles could be the better team, obviously. They can get in more continuity together. But I, I just don't feel that great right now after what we saw last week against Washington. Yeah, and you know what? I can see it. I, I can I can get behind that, and I can definitely feel that uh, the worry there. So I'm 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 with you in the I'm with you in the way that I can see it swing just as much. And I'm not. And and, and don't get me wrong. Sunday, one o'clock. I'm gonna have my Eagles jersey on. I'm gonna be cheering for the Eagles and cheering for Carson. I'm I'm not cheering for the Blues, obviously, because I never do. I'm just saying at this point in time, if I had to put money on the game, I probably would take the Rams to win the game. But, I mean, we're both 0-1 right now because we both took the Eagles to beat Washington last week, and we all we saw how that went. I'll take 0-2 this week, though. I'll take 0-2. Yeah, well, I'm going to go 1-1. One one. Uh, I, I think we <laughs> I can pull it out. I really do. I, I really do think it'll be close, and I really do think that we can pull it out. And, and um, it'll be key because next week you get the Cincinnati Bengals uh, coming to Philly, and while Joe Burrow has looked all right, like, there's no reason for Cincinnati to beat you. So if you can win this Rams game, you can start yourself on a run. And that's exactly what the Eagles need to do. Definitely. All right. So again, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Connor's at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. I'm at LJ Harrell 54. That's LJ Harrell 54. And you can follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour, where we let out a bunch of news. Uh, notes, anything that, that we hear going on with the Eagles in terms of injuries, uh, player news, anything. Um, and we try to spark some debates and, and whatnot. Connor's all about his uh, fantasy world. He beat me last week in fantasy, so I'm not happy about that. Um, <laughs> and Any final words, Connor? No, just fly, Eagles fly, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Yo, one I'm, and I'm one. Taking- the reason why we lost last, last week is because you didn't say that. I'm just saying. Last year, you said it all the time. We went nine, like, we, we got we didn't lose games. We should have lost, especially late. So you, you need to get back to saying fly, Eagles, fly as we uh, sound off or as we uh, get off the uh, podcast, just so you know. Oh, you got it right there. So let's <laughs> go. One and one. Here we go. Let's go. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.